In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about a surprise knife marriage, soapbox moments in a tale of two pizza toppings, slap in a skanky panther, and Eric's butt. In our discussion of Dead and Gone by Charlene Harris. Eric's butt. Eric's butt. Hey everybody, welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult books, series, authors, and voice actors that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire, and today we're going to discuss Dead and Gone by Charlene Harris. Standard disclaimer, if you haven't read this book, please remember that Fictional Hangover is all about spoilers. If you haven't read or listened and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to us and go read or listen to the book. Then come back. If you haven't done this but want to pretend that you have, or if you don't care about spoilers, or if you just like the show so much that you don't care about any of that, then listen up. (laughs) (laughs) I like the eye rolling back in your head there. Right? Yeah. Yeah, all the way back. (laughs) No one is surprised. There's a lot happens in this book. So, I think we might have to just like do a dive straight in. Yes, so much happens. But I do have background info again for this one. Yes, please. And I have to share it because it's important. So there's an interview with um, on DragonCon.org. It's an interview at DragonCon just before this book comes out. And they ask Charlene... Your current home state of Arkansas is not generally known as a hotbed of liberal thinking. (laughs) And I went, yes, I don't even need to read the rest of this. Just take it, copy and paste. (laughs) Do you ever get negative feedback locally or otherwise due to the titillating and or horrific content of your books? And Charlene responds, it's been interesting. After True Blood debuted, I expected a lot of backlash. But that didn't happen. For two reasons. One, some of the more sensational scenes in the series weren't in the books. Two, (laughs) people here are mostly too polite. (laughs) (laughs) to upbraid me publicly and they're proud of my achievements isn't that sweet they're too polite to talk badly about her to her face i bet she got (laughs) she had so many oh bless your heart oh yeah oh yeah um she said the local people who read my books simply dodge the sookie novels and read the others which are less everything <laughs> so they just <laughs> just skip Suki altogether which is not it's not a good idea because Suki's great that is true that is true the others don't have as many boobs in they probably don't have nearly as many nipples so you're probably right or eric northman but right oh speaking of nipple count there are no additional nipples in this novel I feel like we need to have a klaxon for that. <laughs> awoo, awoo. Ha ha. Tweet, tweet. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> no, 
I bet she's had a lot of ble- bless your heart. Oh, I'm sure. You know, but but I would also like to point out this was published a little while ago. People's attitudes to public upbraiding now completely different. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Moving swiftly on. Oh. Like she said. Hey, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now everything's wrong. Okay. <laughs> so, do you have any initial thoughts, or like we're in book nine and there aren't any initial thoughts anymore because we're on book nine? Because that's honestly precisely how that. I'm feeling. Yeah, precisely that. It's more of a ooh. Do we see Eric's butt this one? Yeah. Ooh, and are there it. nipples? You know, just, yes, I'm more concerned about Eric's butt and nipples. Yes. Than pretty much anything else. I really, really hope that I just haven't set myself up for failure in the rest of the books with the nipples. Because there, ha- there, there wasn't nipples in this one. No, but I also think we need to... I can't remember what the count's at. But I think we need to try and set a lofty goal. Not too not too lofty, but you know, set a smart target for the amount of nipples that we would like to yeah. encounter. Yeah. But don't worry, I'll be sure to let everyone know how many nipples there are throughout the rest of the series. You're performing a public service. I am. Thank you. Yes. Yes. I feel like I need an extra I I do need to have an a nipple count sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. The nipple count is hold hand out, hand out, graphic. (laughs) I'm gonna work on that. But there aren't any nipples. There aren't any nipples in this one, so I don't have to worry about it for this episode. Anyway, before Suki heads to work, she watches a few minutes of a new vampire makeover show on TV with Amelia. Is that important? No. But it sounds delightful and we, we should all want to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's such a good fashion show. I really want to watch it. And the vampire is so pissed and she rips off somebody's jaw and they're like, oh, well, he'll be fine in a little bit. Don't worry about it. <laughs> anyway, Suki asks if Amelia is going out with Dawson that night. Yes, they're going to come by Merlots. And she also asks if she stopped dating Pam. And also, yes. But we're sad about that. (laughs) Then Suki plucks from Amelia's head that tonight is the night. No, it's not a proposal from Dawson or anything like that. But it is the night that the wares and shifters are going to reveal themselves to the world. <gasps> How did she not already know that? <laughs> I don't know, man. TVs are on around Merlots, and when a special bulletin breaks in, either sports or whatever else is always on in a bar go sports Sam and Dawson prepare themselves as the cute dainty representative from Alcy's werewolf pack transforms live on TV Sam and Dawson shift too Ooh. 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 Bill is 
also in the bar, along with Clancy, another of Eric's cohort, and they stand by ready to stop anything bad from happening after the reveal. But luckily, nothing too terrible happens. Arlene does spew hatred and quit, but really, (laughs) is she a loss? No, get out. Fuck off, Arlene. You are done. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Sam goofily hides his nose and whimpers after she leaves, which gets a laugh and breaks the tension. After the excitement dies down and Sam and Dawson shift back, however, Sam gets a call from his stepdad. He shot Sam's mom after she shifted, and now she's headed to the hospital. <gasps> Sam leaves the bar in Suki's hands. Oh, oh my oh, goodness. Yikes. Imagine having to make that phone call. Oh. Mm. No, don't like it. Don't like it. No. Suki goes home that night. She sees she has a phone message, but decides to go to bed and call whoever that was back later. The next day, and her first day up as acting manager, Suki calls a few former barmaids to replace Arlene and ends up having to ask Tanya to After Amelia and Octavia bewitched her to stop bothering Suki, she actually hasn't been too bad and is happy to help out. While at Merlot's, Eric's day man, Bobby, comes in with a velvet-wrapped bundle and instructs Suki to give it to Eric that night at Fantasia. She takes it without question and leaves for the vampire bar after her shift at Merlot's. Victor, King Felipe's second-in-command, is in Eric's office when Suki arrives. She passed by Sam on her way in, who was shocked that she didn't open the package and told her to hand it to Eric in a meaningful way. So she awkwardly presents it to him. It's the knife from the wedding ceremony Eric performed in Rhodes at the Vampire Summit. And now, with this handing over of the knife, Suki and Eric are apparently engaged or (laughs) married or something equally important to vampires. (laughs) Victor was there to discuss a request that Quinn made to see Suki. But now that Suki is whatever she is to Eric, the request is denied. Suki is pretty pissed that she accidentally married to Eric, but she can't help feeling peaceful and loving to him. Most likely, though, it's because of their blood bond. Is it, though? It's his fine ass and his men nipples. Mm. The next day, bright and early, two FBI agents, Weiss and Latesta, arrive at Suki's house. They are interested in what she and Barry the Bellboy did after the explosion at the Pyramid of Giza. But Suki pretends she doesn't know Barry and that she's just good at finding things. Sure, Suki. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, before the agents can pester Suki too much about her abilities, which they believe to be psychic abilities, there's a phone call from Merlot's. Suki's got to get there right away, and the FBI agents had better go too. Someone's been crucified in the parking lot. (laughs) (laughs) Suki arrives on scene and is distraught to see that the crucifixion victim is her unfaithful sister-in-law, Crystal. 
who was partially panthered. Suki calls Sam to let him know and he says his mum is doing better and will fully recover so he'll head back soon. Everyone around I thinks that Crystal was murdered because she was a panther or they think Jason is responsible and some don't even blame him because of how shitty she was. Mm. But Suki knows he didn't do it. He wouldn't hurt Crystal. And more importantly, he wouldn't hurt his unborn child. Suki has to stay at Merlant's during the investigation. She suggests they call Calvin because he needs to know, and also because he can help. While the investigation is happening, Suki reads newspapers she's had in her car and learns that not everyone is happy about the shifters and wares being out because they feel betrayed. Jason shows up a little bit later and says he didn't do it, and then Calvin comes out, but he can't get a good sniff on who killed Crystal. Oh. Back at the house, Suki talks to Octavia. She's feeling really bad about still being at Suki's house and taking advantage of her generosity. She offers to do an electroplasmic reconstruction to find out who killed Crystal, but the parking lot of Merlots would be a lot of ground to cover and that might not even be where she died, so it probably wouldn't work anyway. Merlots is still closed and Suki really wants to talk to someone about her terrible day, so she goes to see Eric at Fantasia. She plans to tell him off about the surprise knife wedding. Fine. (laughs) But instead, they have a good long chat about how Eric became a vampire and about his wife and children. It's a very meaningful story and it's a surprise that Eric shared that with Suki. They also talk about her not wanting to work for the FBI because she just wants to be her own person and do her own things. Reasonable. That was a great scene. It is so, it's so good. The next day, Andy Belfleur calls and tells Suki she can open Merlot's back up. But luckily, Sam makes it back in time to do that. So, Suki gets to go home. Before she leaves, though, she tells Sam that she's surprised knife married to Eric. Thinking it'll be kind of funny, but he gets mad at her for being stupid. (laughs) Seriously, though... How is she supposed to know that giving Eric a knife would mean that they're vampire married? (laughs) I mean, to be fair, you're in the kitchen and you're just making a meal. Can you press the bed knife, please, so I can cut my sandwich? And all of a sudden you're married. Yeah. (laughs) Ha-ha! Married! Surprise! (laughs) Suki leaves in a huff and goes to see Tara. Tara makes Suki feel better about her situation with Eric. After all, he's, and we've made this point before several times, he's never done anything to hurt her and has always taken care of her and he's helped her when she needed it. That makes Suki feel much better and so does the fact that Tara reveals she is pregnant. At home, an old man named Louis calls for Octavia. After their phone call, Octavia is very emotional and lets Suki and Amelia know that Louis is her old flame, who she couldn't Mm. find after Katrina. At work later, Sam is still a little angry about the knife marriage, (laughs) and he gets even more upset because Eric's dear man Bobby is there to deliver an envelope to Suki from Eric, but he obviously doesn't like her or having to do her bidding. 
Sam thinks it's bad for Suki to have another person on her list that doesn't like her. Big deal. Nobody likes her. Shock. <laughs> well, that's not necessarily true. Nile is there and he likes her quite a bit. They have a chat about the FBI agents who are also there at the bar and about Crystal's death. He says he'll help figure out what happened to her, but that he's been preoccupied with something else that's been going on. He leaves Merlots with a warning to Sucky that if she should encounter any fairies other than himself, Claudine or Claude, she should call him immediately. Oh. Oh, cryptic warnings. Oh, Yay! don't bother explaining it, though. That's great. After Niall leaves, Weiss and Latesta talk to Suki about him a little, uh, but then Suki has to get back to work. Later, she reads their minds and discovers that Weiss thinks that Suki has a gift, and Latesta really thinks he'd be doing her a great service if he were to get her out of this little backwater town, and that if she really could do what he thinks she can, his career would skyrocket. What would that be like for Suki, though? Since she's telepathic and not psychic, it would certainly be difficult for her to be in the right place at the right time to overhear someone thinking about whatever evil deed the FBI is interested in them for. There probably would be some good that she could do in the world, but she really doesn't want to leave Bon Ton. When Suki gets home later, there's another car outside. It's Lewis, and he's come to take Octavia home to New Orleans with him. Suki and Amelia are excited that they'll have the house to themselves again and have a nice chat about Octavia and her man, who was definitely a warlock or something, living their best lives down in New Orleans. They will live it up! They will. They really will. As she goes to bed, Suki remembers the envelope that Bobby brought to her Merlot, so she gets it out and opens it up. Inside, she's pleasantly surprised to find a very saucy photograph of Eric. It's nearly the exact picture he used for his Mr. January pose from the Fantasia calendar they put out, but he's very much more naked, which Suki quite enjoys. Now, I put this to you. Is this not an addition to the nipple count? It is an unnamed addition to the nipple count because she did not mention she did not specifically say the word nipples i know yeah it's gonna be very to the letter of the law in the nipple it's count. gotta be the word nipple it's gotta be that's the, the rule fine the next morning, Andy Belfler and the FBI agents come to see Suki. They've discovered Crystal's time of death and, for some reason, ask her questions about Dawson, who didn't have anything to do with it. Talk then shifts <laughs> to him being a werewolf and how long Suki has known of the existence of were-creatures. She tells Andy that he's known about them, too, ever since that time, back in Dead as a Doornail, when they were searching for that person who kept shooting random people, and they made Suki pretend to have had sex with Dawson because he was in werewolf form, and then he got shot, and then he turned back into a naked man. Does everyone remember that? Remember, yes. remember that? Intimately. There were nipples. There were nipples involved. <laughs> 
They talk about the idea that Crystal's death was a hate crime, and Sookie says she'll listen in at the bar and will let them know if she hears anything new. After Andy and the FBI leave, Suki has her house to herself for the first time in a long time. She puts on a bikini, even though it's January, and sits out in the sun for a bit. But then Diantha pops up. She tells Suki that Mr. Catalities wants to warn her about other fairies and how they killed her grandfather, Finton, and that she needs to be wary, which is pretty much the same advice Nile gave her, so she's feeling extra nervous now. After Diantha leaves, Suki decides to call Claude and Claudine to get more information. They meet for lunch at the mall, Claudine putting away an exceptional amount of Chick-fil-A and Suki learns a little bit more about her extended fairy family. Not many of the other fairies like humans as much as Niall does. Another member of the fairy royal family, Brendan, believes that any humans with fairy blood are taking magic away from actual fairies and that they should all be killed. Some fairies believe as Niall does, and some believe as Brendan does. So, Suki should avoid all fairies she doesn't know, especially Dermot. Her grandfather Fenton's twin brother, who happens to look exactly like Jason. Dermot doesn't like humans, and he has always defied Niall. Which kind of explains why Niall doesn't like him very much. And also, why he doesn't like Jason either. Wow, Gigi. Yeah. At home later, Suki decides to do some gardening. So she goes to the old tool shed that's been in her family for ages. She gets the old trowel and gets to work weeding. Someone she doesn't know walks up behind her and says that he'll enjoy killing her for his lord. So she turns around and trowels him. <laughs> the trowel is made of iron, so the fairy dies almost instantly. Suki calls Niall, and he and Claude and Claudine's dad, Dylan, show up. They praise Suki for killing the fairy called Murray and suggest that she just hose his remains away and then leave. <laughs> Them fairies make good compost. You know, I really wish that someone could just explain a tiny bit more about what's going on to Suki. But they're like, nah. Also, also, why aren't they protecting her a little bit more? They got other things to worry about. (sighs) So after this, as if her day hasn't been bad enough, Quinn shows up. Even though Eric denied his request to meet with Suki and, you know, even be in the same area. He yells at Suki about how Eric will never give up Fantasia for her, and Bill will never give up his vampire phone book, and Sam will never give up his bar, and that basically no one will ever love her, and it's not fair that she doesn't expect any of them to give anything up for her, but he has to. Wow, asshole. She gets mad. And then Bill shows up, and he and Quinn fight with Sookie in the middle. She gets knocked out and wakes up in bed later with Eric. (gasps) (laughs) That's not a bad end to the day. Eric asks Sookie if she loves Quinn, or maybe he meant Bill. But either way, no. She wishes she could have had something with Quinn, 
But then that went south, and now Eric is the only guy she's interested Damn in. Damn right! <laughs> she can't really tell if it's the blood bond or what, but she's not going to like anyone else. So they have sex. Lots and lots of sex. Lots and lots of fantastic sex. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In between multiple bangs, they have meaningful and silly conversations. And then Suki tells Eric about the other fairies and that she killed one. He gets worried and offers to let Suki stay with him in his house, which he has never offered to anyone but Pam before. Whoa. Whoa. That's huge. Whoa. She surprises Eric by telling him that she doesn't want to be a kept woman, but appreciates his concern. He leaves, and Suki notices Bill standing outside watching as Eric flies away, but she's not mad at him, surprisingly. Yeah. She's she's okay with it? I mean... Uh. Okay. You did it the same with Quinn. The next day... Jason is outside Suki's house. He really wants her to find out what happened with Crystal. And he also tells her that he's lonely without his BFF Hoyt, who is now engaged to Holly, and not hanging around with Jason so much. Jason's got a new friend, though, Mel, who is also a panther, but who has left Hotshot. So at least he's still got a friend, but everything would really be better if Suki could figure out who killed his wife. Oh my God, stop putting all this pressure on your sister. Yeah. I mean, you, you don't try. You, you don't help. You just make Suki do it. Lizzie. <sighs> After Jason leaves, Suki checks her messages and finds that Arlene has called and saw so her Sam. Arlene's message is that she wants to be friendly with Suki again. Sam's message is work-related, so she calls Sam first, and he says that Arlene called him and wants to come back to work. But he's not sure he should let her, and he wants Suki's advice. They decide, no, she's not worth it, (laughs) and we agree. (laughs) Even if she changed her mind about being so terrible about everyone who's not human and a member of the Fellowship of the Sun, she's still... Awful. She's just awful. She's terrible. She's a garbage person. Mm. Suki decides to call Arlene back next and see if they can mend their friendship, at least a little bit. I would argue they never had a friendship. Yeah. Uh, Suki, you were just a free babysitter. Yeah. And a maid. General dog's body. Arlene tells Suki to come by her place in a little bit. But Suki gets a weird feeling and decides to go over immediately, but parks next door to investigate. Good thing Arlene has two Fellowship of the Sun guys at her house who plan to crucify Suki. <gasps> oh, shit. Did they kill oh. Crystal? No, but they oh. were inspired by her murder. Oh, Suki calls Andy Belfler, who's with the FBI agents, and are now on their way over. After Arlene sends her kids away with a friend, Suki approaches and reveals she knows what they are planning to do. Then Andy and the FBI show up, and they have a gunfight. One of the agents is not 
mortally shot, and one of the crucifiers is shot and killed. Andy takes them away. Suki gets a phone call later when she's thinking about how terrible Arlene is and what's going to happen to her kids. Remy Savoy, her ex-cousin-in-law, has called to see if Suki can help him with Hunter, her telepathic nephew. She doesn't want to drag them into any of the terrible things that are currently happening in her life, so she offers to get back in touch with him later. The next time Suki's at Merlot's, she spends the day trying to figure out who killed Crystal, but doesn't come up with anything. Then she is invited to the movies by Amelia and Dawson. Dawson has a buddy, Drake, who looks remarkably like Jason, and he wants to get to know Suki. Amelia has told him lots of stuff about her already, which is terrible because Drake is obviously damaged, and now he knows pretty much everything about Suki. Great! Great! That is great! Wonderful news! That is great! Fantastic! Suki decides to call in her favor with King Felipe and gets Eric to ask for a bodyguard. He ends up sending... Bubba? Yay! Yay! And that's better than nothing. (laughs) Alcide also gets in contact with Suki and offers Dawson, which is good because he's already dating Amelia and so he's already around. The next day, however, Suki wakes to Dawson being violently ill in the bathroom. Someone claiming to be Bill's new girlfriend, aka definitely an evil fairy, tricked him into drinking vampire blood, but instead of him going rage crazy and killing everyone, Dawson was just poisoned instead. (laughs) Suki convinces him to go home and says she'll call Jason for daytime protection instead. Jason and Mel come over and tell Suki that a crazy guy that looked just like Jason came over to his house, threw Mel against the wall, told Jason that he just did him a favour, and then left. But shit. What? <laughs> what? It's Dermot. It's gotta be Dermot. <laughs> shit. Suki then tells Jason everything about their family and the fairies and how Niall is good and Dermot is bad and he's working for a guy who's even worse. Jason and Mel go back to Jason's to get a gun, and when Suki comes to get Jason later, she has a bad feeling. Why would Dermot throw Mel across the room? Oh. Mm. Oh. 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 Suki calls Calvin for backup. Oh. At Jason's, he and Mel are in the backyard, shooting guns. Suki questions Mel about why Dermot threw him across the room, and then Jason holds him down while Suki looks inside his head. I am so glad that Jason picked up on this and, like, saw the meaningful looks that Suki was giving him and was like, oh, yeah, okay, shit. Really glad that he caught on to that. So what comes out from Mel is not good. Nope. Mel is in love with Jason, and he got kicked out of Hotshot for being unable to procreate because he's gay. (sighs) While he was at Jason's alone a few days ago, Crystal came by, taunting him. She told him he had to have sex with her so he could go back to Hotshot and live with Jason, but then she called him a pussy and was really gross about Mel being turned on by Jason's baby in her belly. Mel 
slapped her, thought he killed her, and left for a second. But then when he came back, Crystal was gone. Calvin and a couple other Panthers arrive and hear this confession. And even though Mel didn't actually kill Crystal, they tear him to shreds anyway. What the hell? And he's just okay with it? What the hell? He's like, yeah, yeah, I've just confessed. Like, you didn't do anything. You slapped a bitch. You slapped a bitch, exactly. And we both know sometimes... You gotta slap a bitch. Sometimes a bitch needs a slap. Exactly. Well, Suki goes to work after this with plans to meet up with Amelia at Dawson's after she gets off. She manages to make it through the day even though she's a little unfocused and then heads home. Oops. She was supposed to go to Dawson's. So she turns around and heads that way, nearly an hour late. When she arrives, Amelia's car isn't there and it seems that no one is inside. She calls Amelia, no answer. She calls Dawson, no answer. Panicked, Suki calls Bill, who immediately comes to her aid. While Bill investigates the inside of Dawson's place, Amelia calls back. She's perfectly fine, but she went home after Suki never showed. Then Bill comes out. There's a lot of blood inside, and it seems that Dawson has been taken somewhere against his will. They plan to go back to Suki's and decide what to do from there. Suki gets home a few minutes before Bill arrives, but as she's walking to her door, she hears someone mumble something, and then she's knocked out. She's not having a good day. No, no, she She's really... having a capital D day. Yeah. Suki wakes up in a dilapidated old house with two fairies torturing her. Luckily, um, we're not going to mention all of the torture that happens, but it was serious. Extensive. Brendon told them they could do whatever they wanted with her as long as they didn't kill her. And their plan became to torture her long enough for Niall to come to her aid and call off the fairy war to save her. Then... Brendan would be able to close off all the portals into fairy since he hates humans so much and then humans and fairies would be forever separated. The two violently torture Suki until she's ready to die. But then Bill and Niall show up. Niall decapitates one of the fairies and Bill bites the other, but she stabs him with a silver blade and bites him with silver-capped teeth before she dies. Suki wakes up in Dr. Ludwig's makeshift hospital to find Claudine knitting in the corner. Dr. Ludwig says that Suki will be fine, which is odd since she's only human, but that Dawson's probably not going to make it and Bill has silver poison. Oh no. No. She's not strong enough to get out of bed on her own, so she and Claudine chat for a while. She's been in a fight recently and is all scraped up. But she's semi-peacefully knitting now, waiting for Brendan to show up. Suki asks what she's knitting, and it turns out to be a baby sweater. Claudine is pregnant. Aww. Eric arrives not much later and gives Suki lots of his blood, trying to get her well enough to move because Brendan is on his way and Dr. Ludwig is evacuating her facility. Suki tells Eric she called out in her mind for him to come and save her while she was being tortured. 
but it was Bill who showed up instead. This also was a gut-wrenching few moments. Mm. Eric's devastated and tells her he'll explain why he wasn't there later and that she'll understand. Then they go see Bill and Dawson. Bill looks rough and is getting blood from Clancy, that other vampire who doesn't much care for Sookie, and Dawson's nearly dead. Unfortunately, Brendan and his evil fairies arrive not too long after. Luckily, Sookie somehow still has her purse, and inside it are her iron trowel and water guns she bought and filled with lemon juice. Love it. The fairies break down the door. Eric and Bill are armed with iron blades, and Suki has her trowel and lemon gun. Brendan is there, and a lady fairy with a mace and some others. They mock Bill and Dawson, and then Clancy is maced in the head. Eric begins fighting, and Bill throws his knife. Then Brendan approaches Suki, and Bill steps in front of her. Then, with his last bit of strength, Dawson grabs Brendon's shirt. Brendon kills him, but then Bill stabs Brendon with Suki's trowel. He dies surprisingly quickly. Suki sprays another in the face with her lemon gun, and Eric kills her. Then Niall comes in and declares himself the last fairy prince. The fight is over. Later, Niall comes to visit Suki to say goodbye. He has decided to close the doors to Fairy, which is funny because that's what Brendan wanted to do and what the whole Fairy War was about anyway. Unfortunately, Claudine didn't survive the fight. And also, unfortunately, Dermot is missing. Hopefully, they'll be able to find him before Niall closes the doors for good. Amelia is distraught about Dawson, and Suki is still mending, but she, Bill, and Eric survived. As Niall leaves, he tells her that she will be safe and that the vampire loves her. But which one is he talking about? No! <gasps> And on that revelation, <laughs> oh. I need a moment. I need a moment. Take a moment. There's a lot of stuff to process from this book. What's up, fellow book nerds? It's time to feed your fiction shelf addiction. Hear book club style roundtables, bookish chats, and more. Join Tamara and her friends for fantasy and thriller read-alongs and other shenanigans over on the Shelf Addiction Podcast. Listen now on your podcatcher of choice. Subscribe for free and you too can have a shelf addiction. Okay, I'm good. You better? You processed everything? No, not at all. No, okay. Barely even a little bit, but we're good, we're good. Yeah, it's fine professional yeah we're 100 percent professional if i could think of any Ooh. word to describe us it would be professional it would be also hot diggity <laughs> <laughs> all right 
just move on. Just move on past that one. (laughs) (laughs) There were moments. There were so many moments. There was so much in this one. And it was so different. It was so dark and violent. Definitely took a turn. I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) No one is surprised. No one is surprised. No, no. Yeah. I remember this one being very high on the body count. Yeah. Not necessarily who the body counts were. Right. Because it has been a while. Yes. Um, But I do remember it having a high body count because it is the the fairy war book. I... Um, I think the next one is actually the last one I read. I have that feeling. (laughs) And then we'll be getting into unknown territory. That is so exciting. Um, Mm -hmm. The only thing that I remember from this one, after, you know, the first read through a hundred years ago, was... What happened at Arlene's house? Oh, no, actually, that was one of the bits I didn't totally remember. Yeah, I remembered. I remembered that Arlene was setting Sookie up and was, you know, gonna, they were gonna try to kill her. I remember that. I remember that happening. So I was excited when it actually happened. And I remember, you know, it wasn't a false memory. It was actually Ooh. a thing that happened. It wasn't that book that we're not still convinced we've read ever. I really don't. Think I remember Arlene that one. Ter- being a complete turncoat yeah. and being a garbage person. Yeah. But I don't remember the crucifixion. I didn't and necessarily remember the brutal. crucifixion, but I remembered that she tried to lure Sookie to her house so yeah, people yeah. like so they could try to kill her. I didn't oh, remember yeah, the that, crucifixion bit, but no, I didn't get. I don't remember. That. I remember the the handing them over to the fellowship bit yeah i i, I honestly think I, I, I thought it happened sooner but arlene arlene oh, you, you've spent the entire time knowing she's a horrible horrible person and not suki's friend yeah and it's it feels like finally suki's realizing what a one-sided relationship it was yeah um, i feel sorry for arlene's kids you know, I don't, because just fuck off. I'm tired of the whole thing. Uh, but I had a, th- a weird thought while reading this scene. Um, mm. Suki shares with Arlene some pretty cutting remarks about how Arlene, you know, thinks she's so much better than she actually is and, like, tells her to look Jeez. around. Yeah, harsh truths tells her to look around this shitty trailer this is your life and it it ain't getting any better but arlene screams at this moment and calls suki a witch and not like Mm. oh you're you know you're being a bitch but i'm not gonna say bitch i'm gonna call you a witch like she says you're a witch because I know that they're real, and that's what you are. Why would she say that? I really feel like Suki might have somehow possibly put this vision into her head. It's very purposeful phrasing, isn't it? It is. It really, really is. Because Suki's like staring her dead in the face and is like, look around you, Arlene. 
this is this is what your future is. So I just I really feel like she's made her have some sort of vision or something because why else would she scream then and call her a witch? Hysterical as well. Yeah. It wasn't just a scream like, you know, a TikTok Karen. It was a hysterical yeah. scream. I think it might have a point and I'm wondering how much Eric's blood is boosting we know it's having massive physical effects sure glorious hair perky boobs good skin yeah we know it's having a lot of physical health benefits but she's not entirely human suki's part fairy and could eric's mystical magical vampire blood that she's consumed quite a bit off yeah is that affecting her her mental ability. I don't know. Because then I also go back and I'm thinking about this show where at some point she, like, has fairy lights and, you know, blows somebody away or something. I don't remember what happens because I've tried to block out those later seasons of True Blood. Mm. But I feel like, is that what I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of her having this, like, random ability at some point. Possibly. And I'm melding them together. Potentially, but I also think with any adaptation from book ad- book to TV adaptation, the people who make it will have read all the books and potentially got the same inference or, you know, wanted to take it that one step further, knowing that there is the potential there based on X, Y and Z from the books. Yeah. So it's entirely pl- plausible. Yeah. Yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised if she was able to not just read minds, but put things into people's heads and remember her powers are evolving they are changing because she picked up vampire thoughts yeah she's picked up vampire thoughts a couple more times since that first time too and i mean it's really it's probably because of of eric's you know thousand year old vampire blood that they've shared so much that he's like hey yeah um we gotta stop because we're about to cross a line like something, something's gonna happen if we keep swapping blood. And like, what, what would it be? Would it be vampirism, or would it just be Renfields? It could be Renfields, which I really appreciated that conversation <laughs> that they have, and it makes me think of our short story with Eric, which I haven't read yet. Which uh, you know, Eric being obsessed with Dracula. Yeah. So that just made me think, like, oh, I'm that. That's funny. That's gonna happen soon, and we're gonna get to read that, and I'm excited about it. I can't wait. I can't wait. Yes, I think getting back to your main point, I think it feels like there's something there. It does. It really, really does. I'm glad that you agree, and you don't just think I'm bonkers. I mean, you think no. I'm bonkers, but you know, for other reasons. Well, yeah, but yeah, exactly. My only, I say problem with it, it's not really a problem with the theory because I like the theory. Um, it's potentially with the writing. Um, something like Suki, we've, as we've just mentioned, can now and again pick up vampire thoughts. Mm-hmm. That is something that's only ever put into the story every now and again. Right. And at this stage, given the amount of vampire blood she's had with Eric and given the situation she's been in with Eric, when his guard is down, and her brain is probably very open to 
all the senses, it hasn't happened again. And it kind of feels like, well, it probably should have, or in some way be mentioned. So it feels like it's one of these tibbets that's forgotten about. Yeah. It, it's as appro- it's appropriate at that point, but that's... Oh, it doesn't really, it's like, not really, it's that, not really that important. But I do enjoy Charlene Harris's writing our books. I think she's a very creative person. Mm-hmm. But she's not perfect. Right. And this is um, this is book nine of 13 plus a million short stories. Stuff's probably going to get lost. Things are going to get lost, exactly. Um, and things don't get fully put together. Um, and the th- it's like when we talked about the short story, sometimes an important thing happens there and not in the main series and it makes you question your own sanity like did i miss something yeah because uh, this leads on nicely to one of the thoughts i had was octavia yes what about yeah, octavia? By octavia don't let the door slam you on the way out she had such an abrupt exit yeah for two to three books now two at least two books she's been not pivotal but she's been hovering in the background and just wandered in done what's necessary wandered back out again and it's it feels like it's got to a point where charlene's gone oh i've got this other person living in suki's house but i've also got these fairies and the werewolves and the vampires and it's just a whole mess that's going on i don't know what to do with her what can i do ah oh, her fancy man from new orleans can come and collect her and we'll just get rid of her yeah that's and it. it was so abrupt yeah it was like double take material. It was like she, she. It was fleshed out to a couple of paragraphs just to give her that little bit more of a word count time. Yeah. Before it was like, okay, bye. I can only imagine that either since I don't really remember what else happens except for key moments, which we've said this a thousand times. I don't. I don't necessarily remember the storylines that are coming next, but. It could, it could either be that she's got too many players on the board and she's got to get rid of some stuff just to clear up space in her head. Or maybe there's got to be some sort of something where Sookie's got to be on her own again. And so you got to get you got to get people out of her house. Like, I feel like Octavia's gone. Mm-hmm. And I mean, is Amelia going to stay? She's just lost her boyfriend that she really really liked like you know maybe it's time for her to leave too so maybe that's going to happen and now Suki's going to be back alone in her house yeah possibly possibly i do not recall i don't recall at all but amelia is one of those characters that's easier to get out of the house because she works she parties she has a social life. Yeah, but maybe she needs Whereas to... Octavia wasn't easy to get out of the house. Right, but maybe Amelia just needs to be gone. She needs to move away, which she, you know, this will be a good time to do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was established that she's got no... That she's got the, ha- the, the, the house in New Orleans mm-hmm. and somebody is looking after it and the rebuild following Katrina yeah so there is that potential where she even if she just has to go back to New Orleans for some reason about the house yeah that she's gone for a book 
when something has to happen to her. Yeah. So the potential is there. I just... I don't know. I just didn't think it was a clean exit for Octavia. It was... It was pretty abrupt. It was abrupt. It was forced in. And I'm fine with her going. I don't mind. She can go on, you know, with Lewis and and New Orleans. I'm happy for her. But I just... It was just the way it was just shoehorned in there. Yeah. I found a little bit... Yeah, taken aback with it. Yeah. There was it was a little bit like Claudine's pregnancy as well. Yeah. When when she's sitting there and she's eating the the chicken nuggets or whatever and just really overindulging, you're like, what's Claudine binging? And then I was, oh no, that's right, she's pregnant. Yeah, remembered that. Yeah. Well, and they she's mentioned like she walks up and she's wearing in like an unflatteringly cut suit or something. So you already think something's up. And then she eats entirely too much Chick-fil-A. And then she's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm pregnant. Knitting baby sweaters. Yes. And then killed. And then killed. Was it necessary to have Claudine pregnant then? <sighs> didn't For me, it didn't bring anything to the story. No. And it didn't make her death more meaningful. Because I like Claudine. Yeah. Not... Claudine being with child that 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 element brought nothing to the character it made no difference I didn't feel does it seem harsh for me to say I was no more sympathetic to her death because of it yeah I don't know I I mean I felt the same way like I liked Claudine enough on her own to be sad that she's not like to be sad that she's dead. We don't. Everybody doesn't need to be pregnant. Yeah. Like it, Tara's pregnant again, it was now. A shoot or it was shoot horn in. Yeah, Tara's it pregnant. Was completely unnecessary. Crystal was pregnant. Claudine is pregnant. Like what? Why? Why is everybody going to be pregnant at the same time? The only thing with the only pregnancy that um, I think is story-wise appropriate is Crystal's because it gives Jason that out of, well, he wouldn't harm Crystal because she's carrying his baby and that's important to him even if his wife's a cheater. He's not yeah. going to touch her because it, the, he's he he's happy to be a daddy. And I think that's the only one. Tara's, again, whatever. It's the same with Tara's marriage. Yeah. It's like... Whatever. Is it, are there supposed to be elements to humanise these people, these characters? Because I I don't I, care. Yeah, I guess it's supposed to show, you know, that Suki is balancing between these two worlds. Her supernatural stuff's going on and then she's actually, you know, got human friends and human things are happening. But, but this is what annoys me, okay? And bear in mind... Out of the two of us, you know, I'm the one who is married with child. You're you're married, that's fine. But purposefully childless. And, purposefully childless. And I'm gonna get on my soapbox and start ranting and raving. You do not need to have children to make your life fulfilled. Mm-mm. It's bullshit. Yeah. And I feel like what's happening here is a very old, boring 
t- dated narrative that to be a fulfilled and I'm doing air quotes yeah. a fulfilled woman to have a fulfilled life you need to be married with children so is it purposeful that Suki is by herself not in any particularly stable relationship she's only with partners who she cannot have children with Eric um but all of her friends are growing up and they're getting careers which ones tell me which ones have got the 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 the, gel- the career you should be jealous of but they're getting married and they're having kids and it's the getting married and having kids while you're still home alone and, and it feels like it's a very pu- pushed to the front message yeah. that is tried and dated and i hate it yeah because women should be able to make their own choices whether or not they get married whether or not they live with a partner whether or not they have children whether or not they have children with someone yeah you know get a cat if you want to have a cat have a child if you want to have a child but it's the woman's choice right and i'm getting on my soapbox and we'll step off in a second but don't force it into the story it really pisses me off and it pissed me off in this that it felt like the reason Tara got married and Tara is now pregnant and why Claudine was made to be pregnant was purely to show Suki this is what you could have and this is what you should have to be a human woman yeah and it annoyed the life out of me because quite frankly if I was Suki I would be fucking the life out of Eric I would be moving in and going I'm not being a kept woman I will keep my job at Merlot's yeah but you better believe I will ride you every night. Yes. Yes, of course. Um, you had that soapbox moment. And your your rage and your anger came out and it was beautiful. I kind of had a similar feel about a different situation that occurred in okay, this I'm book. Okay, I'm going to step back. There's a soapbox. Please climb up. I'm probably not going to hang out for quite as long as you did. Sorry. But... <laughs> I was really, I was really disappointed with Mel and what happened in Hotshot. Oh, yes. Thank you for raising this one. Yes. And we, it was made slightly better when it's revealed that he's gay and that's why he doesn't live in Hotshot anymore. And you think, well, he got kicked out because he's gay, which he did, and it's not okay what happened, but they tried to, like, explain it away that Calvin, Calvin said, you can do whatever you want in your home, but you have to have a kid first, which I get because of the backward-ass hotshot inbreeding situation i get that Mm. for the panther side of it but i hate it that he has to have a child in order to stay in hotshot that is fucking disgusting and i hate that he got kicked out and i also hate that they literally like ate him because he slapped Crystal. She did not die. He did not kill her. No. 
he even said, like, she wasn't there when I went. Like, I, I walked away. I was freaked out. I came back, and she was gone. So, she, clearly, you just slapped her. She's bleeding a little bit. She deserved what she got. But you didn't kill her. And then they were like, well, you confessed, so we have to kill you. And he's like, shrug. Okay. Why? makes no sense. No, it makes no sense at all. I do appreciate, however, again, going back, I do really appreciate that Jason didn't realize that Mel was gay, which is okay. And you're just, you've got a new friend and you really like him. But then when he finds out that... Mel got kicked out of Hotshot because he couldn't produce a child. He looked at Calvin and said, we're okay with that? That's okay to just kick him out because he's gay? Are you sure? So I like that bit of Jason. Yes. That he's clearly okay with having a new best friend who's gay. Maybe, you know... Probably going to be a little bit uncomfortable later when he's like, oh, but you have a crush on me and like I'm not reciprocating those feelings. But that didn't happen because he got eaten. I think Jason would be flattered. I really think he would. But I do appreciate that he was like, wait, you got kicked out because you're gay? That's like, why? Stupid. It's stupid. But I do. Especially in the day and age of artificial insemination. Yeah. He could just empty into a cup. And then they could, you know, it's a bank. Yeah, you know, they probably have some turkey basters in Hotshot. So you just go and do whatever you need to do, and we'll just suck it up and then squirt it back in. And maybe we'll have a baby that way. Works for everybody. Yeah, it was... So, in the end, we don't really know what happened with Crystal fully. Except we kind of do. Except for the fact that we don't really necessarily know what happened to her, how she met her demise. But we know that the evil fairies that tortured Suki were the ones who found and crucified her. And they did it just to fuck with Suki. You know, they... But that makes no sense. Because Suki doesn't give a shit about Crystal. It doesn't make sense. Mm. Yeah. There's, there's so much in this book. I feel like this book's Marmite. Um, excessively British term. Yeah, it is. You either love it or hate it. Right. Okay, there'll be something in America where the big dispute is you either love it or you hate it, it's, and it's got to be a food. Store. It's probably cilantro. Okay, cilantro. This this book is cilantro or marmite or whatever the heck you want to call it. Pickles, pickles and burgers. That's a that that divides people. Pineapple on pizza. Yes, this book is pineapple on pizza. You'll either love the bits or you hate it. And there's some bits I absolutely adored. I loved the torture scene. Not because Suki got tortured, but because it was just, it made the book go dark. Yeah, that's me too. Almost those exact same words. Like, I loved 
that. It was insane and it was really well done. And it was terrifying. And exactly. the books have been so fluffy up to this point. And then you're like, holy exactly. shit. The only reason for me is that I think Suki is going to survive is because of the point of view it's written by. Mm. And that's it. Yeah. But it was finally a moment where you think, oh shit, Suki, this might be the end. And you're in book nine. Yeah. This could it be could, close to the end of yeah, the, season, it could, the series. It could reasonably be the end. Exactly. And it's like, oh shit. But it's like the scene with Arlene. As devastating as it is, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Same with Crystal and the horrible crucifixion. That's ghastly. But actually, it looked good. Yeah. The scene with Eric in Fantasia and you find out about him being human. Yes. Human backstory. Yes. Magnificent. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. I even appreciated like the way that the coming out occurred and that Sam's poor mother got shot. Yeah. It was horrible. But again, I quite liked it because it was development, it was story, it mm-hmm. was interesting. Mm-hmm. It had a grit. But then there's other things that just don't make any freaking sense yeah. and just annoy the life out of me. Yeah. Octavia, the LGBTQ um, ostracization from Hotshot. You know, the just the, the Claudine pregnancy aspect. So I felt like it was a pineapple on pizza mm-hmm. where you can pick the bits off some pizza slices, you can't on the other, but you could eat the whole pie. Yeah. So you, you enjoy some of it and you don't enjoy others. So it's like, it was such a tale of two... Toppings. Toppings, yeah. <laughs> tale of two toppings. Yeah. But yeah, and now I really want a pizza. Yes. Yeah, see, I like... This is something else that I really love about you know, summarizing these books and sharing them with you is that when we do it, we pick out all the good parts and tell you those things. So, you know, we we leave out the weird and confusing stuff and we put it together in a way that makes it make sense. So that's, I, I really like doing that because I liked, I really enjoyed this book. But then there oh, were yeah. those parts where you're just like, why? Yeah. But overall, I really, really liked it. Oh, definitely. Definitely. The the, the dark areas really yeah, there was, won me over. It is, that is my kind of story. It's not... Yeah. It wasn't... It's not cute. It's not cute. Yeah. It, yeah. But then there are those cute moments, <laughs> like when Eric sends the picture to Suki. Yes, and then <gasps> they have that conversation... She's like, do you think I can get this poster size? And he's like, well, you could if you give me one. And, like, they're just so cute and adorable. And it's why I love Eric so much. And it's like what Tara said, which I really appreciated their conversation, even though I don't give a fuck that she's pregnant. But she's like, Suki, what's the big deal? You're not actually married in any way that matters to you. But Eric has never hurt you. Everyone else has treated you like shit. Eric has always been good to you. He's 
made sure you're taken care of. He's made sure your house is good. He's paid you for your jobs that you've done or made sure that you did get paid when you did complete a job. He has, he's good. So why are you so upset about being knife married to him on accident? Like he's just doing it literally so Felipe can't take you away and make him work make you work for him in another state. He's just keeping you safe. It's protection. Exactly. In no legal sense are they married. No. I will be happily knife married to Eric. Yes. Hey, that brings us to would you rather. But I got a couple more things I'm going to talk about before we talk about being knife married. Okay, let's talk about them. But I will say, I do like Tara insofar as it's the human relationship she can go to she is exclusively human nothing supernatural about her and she can talk sense to suki yeah and she's fully aware of everything that's going on so it's not as if she needs to like beat around the bush or try and be you know try and get the answers that she needs but in a roundabout way right so i do appreciate tara in that sense everything else not bothered yeah i have to just i know that we said that this book wasn't cute But there is a couple of cute things that happened. And we mentioned, you know, Eric's story and Eric's naked photograph. But something else that I thought was really, really adorably cute is when Sam shifted in front of everyone. And Arlene yells and runs out and is crazy and he like does the embarrassed doggo pose and just everyone giggles at him and that was precious because i love sam i love sam Sam so much eric and sam are just they're right there i love them both so so much and that was just such a good scene like, he just covers up his little nose and does a little whimper, like, Oh, oh no, she doesn't like me. Oh. So I loved that scene. I adored it. I really enjoyed the, the, the coming out. Yeah. I also quite liked the fact that it was then completely ignored, apart from Sam's family. And she's like, oh, everything must be going fine. Oh, shit, it's huh. not. <laughs> I like that she was... I should have picked up the paper. Yeah, I love that she just sat there for a little while and she's like, well, I don't have anything to do. Let me just look around and see what's in my car that I can entertain myself with. Oh, here's some newspapers. And the, everyone in the newspaper is upset because, you know, shifters are doing good in sports. <laughs> Like the, you know, the it, swimmer whose dad is a seal. <laughs> like, wait a minute. Oh, wait a goddamn minute. <laughs> Do you know what, though? What? If, I mean, if your husband came out and said, oh, by the way, I shift into a werewolf on the full moon, you'd be like, honey, you know, that's fine. I'm not great at once a month either. Right. But I would have appreciated if you had told me this a while ago. Yeah. Because, you know... That, that there's an element of trust in a, in a in a marriage but you know if your neighbor turned around and said oh I turn into a wet tiger once a month you're like oh cool yeah. do it do it do wow. it show me <laughs> yeah yeah i get that the um it doesn't it doesn't have to be a secret 
with someone that you share your life with for, you know, 20 years. And like, how do you cover it up for so long? Oh, I've got to go out for a jog for three nights in a row, the same time every month. Just running to the shop, sweetie. Yeah, not very observant no, stepdad. No, no. So, in that regard, I do think that Sam's mom's missed. Yeah, she's made a little bit of a, a little bit of a mistake, and like, what did she turn into that scared him so badly that he had a gun and just shot her? Yeah, did she yeah. like turn into a bear and lumber? And because she's a pure shifter too, like Sam, so she can turn into whatever she wants to. Like, she doesn't have her wallet rolodex of animals. She does like not. Does. She does not have her fold out wallet photo album <laughs> all right i'm gonna go with what's gonna be less scary pangolin no lion lion yes yeah i feel like rattlesnake good choice <laughs> what what did she pick i'm curious do i feel like a puppy or a gorilla today. Hmm. Yeah. Wow, it is a great revelation, so I should go all out. Giraffe. Giraffe. Right inside my living room. And, like, did he yes. have... Did he was just wearing a gun on his holster? Like, he just had it on him? Right there? Sounds that way. And she so, just... Sounds like a, a, she an open carry gallops situation. into the living room. And he's like, oh, shit, it's a giraffe. And then she's like, oh, no, it's me. At... As as her human head reappears on the giraffe neck as she's transforming back into a person. Oh no! Oh. <laughs> Thank goodness she has the same amount of bones in her neck. Yes, they're just stretched out. Yes. <laughs> okay, I got a question for you. It's important, and then we can move on. Or wait, we still have surprises. No surprises. Uh. I forgot that Claudine died in this one. Yeah. I was surprised at Quinn being such a dick. Oh, God, he was such a dick. I loved Quinn so much. I know. Me too. I loved him. Loved him so much. And now he's just I feel like... betrayed. Yeah. And he's just like, poor pitiful me. Nobody's ever going to love you, Suki. Because you got to be the center of attention. Like, yeah, I kind of deserve that at least once or twice in my life. It's not even the centre of attention. It's the centre of, you know, it's the partnership in a relationship as well. Yeah. And the difference is, Eric's is a business, Sam's is a business, Bill's is a business. Yours is your mother. Yeah. And your it's sister. It's your crazy family. It's hella different. It's not the same. Not the same. It's, you can't compare. And just because you're hurt... And angry doesn't mean that you should travel all that way and give Sucky shit. No. Get over it, dude. She broke up Be with you. Fuck off. Man and fuck off. Be a tiger about it and get out. And fuck off. Just fuck off. Just fuck off. I'm so betrayed. Yeah. So betrayed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you there. Okay. I want to backtrack just one step. If you had to reveal yourself. Oof. As a shifter. Oh, 
Okay. Not your nipples. If you had to reveal yourself That's as okay. a shifter to your husband Before who didn't know, what animal would you choose? Oh. Oh. Do you know what you're going to pick? I mean, I know that my husband really likes cats. So I'd probably be a little kitty cat. Probably just turn into a little kitty cat and do a little prance around. I imagine that I would probably have some sort of markings that would you'd be able to kind of tell that it's me, maybe. And then, but I would make sure, you know, I would get some nice good pets. Do some purrs. You know, do a rub against your leg. And then I would <laughs> walk away a safe distance and transform back into myself. Yeah. What are you going to pick? I'm torn between two. Is one of them a giraffe? No. <laughs> okay, what? He, he really would adore having a puppy he would love a dog yeah absolutely love a dog but his favorite animal is a pangolin okay so i feel like pangolin though they aren't as expressive as dogs i can't do that yeah you can't do the nose covered whimper no so i'll probably like i'll probably do dog and then when I'm back a human, I go, I can, I can do anything. Do you want to see, do you want to see pangolin? And he'd be like, oh, yes. Yeah. And I'll be like, okay, pangolin. Yeah, totally. And then back to human, I'm going to be like, I'm going to do sloth now. Because I love a sloth. Yeah. Turn yeah. into a sloth. Yeah. And like, you know, by this time, totally impressed. Yeah. Prob- probably, probably a dog first and certainly nothing, any threat, nothing threatening. Right. You couldn't do that at all because then you'd get shot. You get shot. Exactly. Giraffe shot. I don't want to be giraffe shot. Mm-mm. And then have my neck go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think that brings us to Would You Rather. <laughs> Finally. Pew, pew. <laughs> it's not the nice tie-in that it would have been had we skipped over that conversation. It was an important conversation to have. It and really one, was. I would, wouldn't mind the listeners contributing to in the comments. Right. Yes. Or perhaps we can have this conversation in Vampire Book Club. Which. Both. Why not? Sorry. Both? Sorry, everyone. Vampire Book Club has happened before the release of this episode because that's the way the month turns out. But just know for next time. If you want to join in on our Vampire Book Club discussions to join our Patreon, join any tier. You can see this video, watch the whole ridiculous thing, and you can watch it before Book Club. And then you can join us to chat. And it's a ridiculously fun time. It really is. We have such a good time. I love Vampire Book Club. Speaking of vampires... Would you rather be tricked into marrying a vampire or work as a body finder for the FBI? Which is what we asked our social media would you rather question. We did do that. We did. There you go. There you go. Smooth. It's very smooth. 
On Facebook, 70% said vampire. On Instagram, 75% said vampire. On Twitter, 60% said vampire. And on TikTok, undecided 50-50. We have comments, though. We do have comments. They're very one-sided comments. Yes, but we're not surprised. I encourage it. (laughs) I encourage any and all comments. Constance on Facebook said... No trick about it, as I said throughout watching the invitation. I volunteer as tribute. Yeah. Yeah, same as Vincent on Facebook said, Vampires have lived for a very long time, so you know they've had lots of practice at perfecting their sexual techniques. Eric is exhibiting. Drew on Facebook said, it was never a trick. I knew what I was getting into. <laughs> Annie on Facebook. All vampires all the time. Especially if it's Eric. Colin on Facebook. I'm not into the whole forced marriage thing, so I'll have to go with body finder. Oh, finally Sounds another response. Like <laughs> Sounds like a fun job to me anyway. I could use my marvellous sense of smell and my network of shady underground contacts to help the FBI out. Sounds like it's a shifter. It does. Bree on Facebook says, Screw the office job and power suits. I'm embracing the fangs and becoming a kept woman at Fangtasia. Bring on the black and fishnets. Ooh, I've got fishnets. Me too. Um, Eric Fenn on Instagram said, definitely tricked into marrying a vampire. I think I'd trust them more. Yeah, I can see that. L20Kev on Instagram says, definitely a body finder. I'd hate to be trying to iron all their frilly shirts all day. This is presuming all vampires dress like Lestat. At least once. They do. At least once in their lives. And you know, it depends on where you live in the world, too. I feel like you got some more classic vampires in, you know, the European Union. I think Europe, (laughs) well, Lestat is very Americanized, even though he's not French. But Dracula is the European stereotype. Yeah. So you're either going to go frilly shirts or you're going to go cape. Right. That's a lot of ironing either way. This is why you send it out. Right. Or get a housekeeper. You do, you, can you honestly imagine a vampire? Do you think Eric, for one second, has ever plugged an iron in, never mind used one? No, that's why he's got day guys. Exactly. You got loads of responses from the library. There were so many library comments this time. I was not expecting it at all. There was loads. There was one um, that said, I am literally never going to not pick vampire if that's an option. To which I read it and went, Amanda, stop answering the would you rathers. (laughs) That's funny because that is exactly my answer. And it's exactly your answer too. It exactly. is. Exactly. We don't we can bypass our responses because no. everybody knows what we're we going to We will never say. not pick vampire. Um, someone else said, I'm down to dig up some dead bodies. And I'm okay with that. 
so many good ones. I always <laughs> wanted to wear a black wedding dress. Guess I'm marrying a vamp. <laughs> what else? I choose vampire. Marrying a vampire seems like a great life to live. Who cares if he owns me? <laughs> and what about, what if I am a vampire? Can I still work if everyone finds out? Asking for a friend. Who is a vampire at my library? And why am Please, I... Please, <laughs> step forward and bite. <laughs> yes! Volunteers trip. Yes! Yes, all vampires all the time. <laughs> I was really pleased that we had so many responses. So many. It's good. All right, let's move on because we know that our yes. answer is all vampires all the time. It's it's it's, it's mute. <laughs> Would you rather find out someone you've known forever is fine with sacrificing you and has set it up for you to be murdered? Or be unlife-threateningly shot by your significant other because they found out a secret about you. I don't think I would like somebody to be very easily and willingly able to cross that moral boundary of sacrificing me right if it feels extreme it does yeah it does so i'm gonna go with the unlife threatening shot by a significant other because they found a secret about you especially if it's a secret that you're a giraffe yes if i'm a secret giraffe and i get shot it's not on me it's on you right and like yeah you're gonna heal quickly probably anyway so that's fine it's fine it's fine fine. would you rather have one sexy poster of eric or have a small calendar with multiple shots of eric i feel like the one sexy poster of eric is probably more explicit while the multiple shots are probably, you know, more safe porn. Yeah. Um, Nothing, everything's exposed. Right. I think that that's probably what I'm going to go with is the calendar. I'm going to go with the calendar with the multiple shots. Because also, like, what if someone, and you're, you're not comfortable with it, what if someone walks in and is like, hey, what's that vampire dick poster you have on your wall? And you're like, oops. I have a vampire dick poster on my wall. Whereas with the calendar, you can be like, oh, I've got this sexy calendar. Let me just put it under my pillow where nobody knows that it exists. Whereas if you have a giant vampire dick on your wall, people are going to know about it. And they might well, steal it. They might well, steal your poster. That is a concern. That is a concern. The other concern is, like, how intimidatingly present the crotch area would be like if you put that poster on the wall is 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 it going to be constant penis at eye level i mean probably because you know it gets to a point where you're like actually i I need to move it down a bit let's let's have a bit more of an eye contact thing going on yeah i mean he's super tall as well so i can only imagine it would be a life size yeah 
What about what if it was a cutout, a cardboard cutout? Oh my god, that would be hilarious. <laughs> that would be so funny. Can I have the cardboard cutout? Yes. And then I could just put it in the window and we're like, oh, they've got the sexy vampire over again. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's more tomfoolery can be involved in, in a cardboard right. cutout. But you, if I can only pick between the poster and the calendar, I'm picking the calendar. But, yeah. You would take a cardboard cutout, 100%. Because then you could, like, put 100% it... 100% You could put it on a little train track and home alone it around your living room. Totally. If you're not home alone and your cardboard cutout, you're really living. You're really not. Not at all. <laughs> I can imagine as well, yeah, you've got the poster on your wall and you're like, oh, I'm going to take a selfie. And you take the cutest selfie, mm-hmm. post it all over your socials going, feeling cute today, have to share it. But you forget that there's a giant vampire cock behind your head. Yeah. yeah. And then like your mum sees it on socials. Yeah. My mum is not on socials, so we're fine. Yeah. But that that's like, you know, you don't need to share that, you know? Yeah. You, you, there's some things you do not post on your Insta. Yeah, and dick pics is one of them. Yes. PSA, don't send dick pics. Don't send dick pics. Don't do it. All right. It's time for our secret would you rather. <laughs> dum, dum, dum. Drum roll, please. <laughs> would you rather... Be eaten to death because <laughs> you slapped a skanky panther or die because you were squirted directly in the eye with lemon juice and then somebody trowled you. <laughs> I don't want to be eaten, but I do want to slap the skanky panther. <laughs> Damn it. I know. So I'm gonna go. And either way, you're going to die. So you well, have exactly. to choose. Do you know what? I'm going to go with the lemon juice and the trowel, but then I'm going to turn it and I'm going to pee-wee Herman that shit out of that death scene a la Buffy the Vampire yes, Slayer. of course. Like, in the movie. Yes, of course. <laughs> you know, I'm, yeah. going to, I'm going to draw it out all through the credits. Yes, of course. So I'm going to go for lemon juice and trowel. Okay. I think that that's what I'm going to go with too. Not that I want to get lemon juiced directly into my open eye, but I feel like it would be a quicker death than being eaten by my friends and family. Exactly. And they're, you know, they're not probably going to be happy about it. They're like, oh, I, don't, I don't want to do this. <laughs> it's so delicious. <laughs> it's so sassy. Plus the salt. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to do that. I don't. I don't no. want to do that to my family. And ultimately, you are going to get pooped out. There's no right. respect in that. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. I mean, can we slap the skanky panther before the lemon juice in the eye incident? Yeah. Can we just slap the skanky panther and run? Yeah. We need to slap. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love that. Yes. Needs to happen. <laughs> right. My would you rather. Would you rather be fatally weak to lemon juice, <laughs> to that? iron, or to Eric's butt? None <laughs> <laughs> of the above. <laughs> um, you have to choose your fatal weakness. Fatal weakness. I 
feel like it would be, it would probably be the easiest to avoid the lemon juice. You know, that's just like an allergy. Like, I'm allergic to mango, so I don't eat mango. So, you know, if I'm fatally weak to lemon juice, well, then I don't eat a lemon. Iron is, like, you don't, how do you 100% know what's made of iron? Everything is... That's a really difficult one. Plus, you know, I love my iron pot. Yeah, I love my cast iron skillet. It's the best thing that I have in my house to cook with. And then finally, I couldn't not constantly squeeze Eric's butt if oh. I if I were around it. Like I, that's that's a thing that I do. I am a I am a tushy squeezer. Same, same. <sighs> yeah, so I I wouldn't it's deeply satisfying. Yeah, yeah. Just give it a squeeze. I also like to give a pat. Yes. Yeah. So I couldn't, I couldn't not do that to Eric's butt if Eric's butt were involved. So I gotta go lemons. It's a fatal weakness. Eric's butt's that. <gasps> yeah, I can't. Like if if it was just like one squeeze, and then while you're Dad. squeezing the butt cheek, your heart is also getting squozen to death. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. So I'm gonna be fatally weak to lemons, to lemon juice. I am going to join you with that. It's the easiest one to yes. consciously avoid. Right. I don't want to avoid Eric's butt. Yeah, and it's too difficult to avoid iron. Exactly. But lemons are easy. I mean, it is kind of sad if, if I had to give up lemons because, like... Lemon drizzle cake, lemon pancakes. Yeah, and like lemon flavored candies are one of my favorite types mm. of candies. Is lemon like, and that's probably not. It's not real lemon. I could probably get away with eating it, but still, sticky lemon chicken from the Chinese takeaway. Oh, lemon juice, and it's just a squeeze of that into some creamy pasta. Mm. Right. Yeah, but you could give you could give up your squeeze of lemon in your pasta instead of a squeeze butt. of Eric's butt. Exactly. And it means I can still use my cast iron cookware yeah. to make said delicious dishes. Right. Minus the lemon. Right, yeah, just just leave off the lemon. Exactly. Okay. Easy. Easy choice. Easy peasy. Lemon squeezy. Eric's butt squeezy. <laughs> Eric butt squeezy. <laughs> Oh, that was that was perfection. <laughs> All right, favorite final thought quote. Uh, what you got? I'm gonna give you a couple. Okay, you can misinterpret every mental cue you get if you don't understand where it's coming from. Oh, yeah, it's a good one. And also, fucking fairies. <laughs> fucking fairies. I like that too because that was Eric. That was an Eric quote, and Sookie's like, "I don't think I've ever heard him cuss before." And now I want to go back and research. Are we going to get an Eric cuss? Maybe we might, unless this is it's accurate. But I don't know. I feel like I feel like that can't be accurate. Do you have any others? <laughs> I feel like I need to do this one just based on the would you rather I paused. <laughs> Darling, you can kneel my ass anytime. <laughs> Yeah, 
That's a good I'm one. passing pass I pass the quotations over Ooh. to you. Okay. I only say this one not because I want to do it, but because it sounds exactly like something that I would say. I would think of Eric and feel the warm rush of joy. And then think of Eric and want to punch him in the face. I really enjoy thinking about punching people in the face. A lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Something about putting my underwear on makes me feel more capable. Yes! Yes! (laughs) Yes! Yeah. I added to my mental list of the odd things I'd done that day. I'd entertained the police, sunbathed, visited at a mall with some fairies, weeded, and killed someone. Now, it was powdered corpse removal time, and the day wasn't over yet. (laughs) Oh, Suki. She just has a day constantly. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's all. I think that's all for me. Nice. Oh, that was good. That was very, very good. If you liked this, try this. I am going to recommend... It's a middle grade book. Oh, okay. It's a graphic novel. All right. Um, I saw it when I was looking for things for my son, actually. And I was like, ooh, this looks really interesting. And also seems very appropriate-ish for this week's recommendation. So I'm going to recommend it. I haven't read it, but it looks really good. And I think it's like four stars on Goodreads or something like that. And it's called The City on the Other Side, and it's by Marguerite Scott, who's the author, and illustrated by Robin Robinson. When a wealthy and sheltered young girl stumbles into a pitched war between two fairy kingdoms, the fate of San Francisco itself hangs in the balance. The first decade of the 20th century is coming to a close, and San Francisco is still recovering from the Great Earthquake of 1906. Isabel watched the destruction safely from her window, sheltered within her high society world. Isabel isn't the kind of girl who goes on adventures, but that all changes when she stumbles through the invisible barrier that separates the human world from the fairy world. She quickly finds herself caught up in an age-old war and fighting on the side of the Seely, the good fairies. Ah, okay. So I thought it was quite a nice introduction to the different courts. I also like the fact it's set in San Francisco in the early 1900s. Right. Yeah, that's very interesting. So I quite liked it. it. It appealed to me on multiple levels. And it's got a fairy war, so right. it fits in with this episode. Thing. Yeah. What have you got? All right. Um, I'm going to suggest one that I found. I'm pretty sure that I found this one in amongst our new and indie spotlight suggestions that we get. This one is one that we yes. got in an email from NetGalley. It's okay. called Memories, Lies, and Other Binds by Katie Foraker, and it comes out October 4th, so very, very soon. Ooh. Zoe Prescott doesn't age, which gives the bookish demonologist plenty of time to focus on her work at the Research Institute of Demonic Entities and Rarities, or Rider. She's also there to figure out why she stopped aging at 22, even though the mind-bending hypnotherapy sessions to help her remember seem to cause more harm than good. 
When a serial killer targeting powerful witches emerges, Zoe ignores her colleague's advice not to hunt for the murderous vampire responsible, who unfortunately happens to be her brother. Ryder won't let Zoe slide a stake into her vile sibling's heart alone. She joins her ex, who dumped her for a mortal, and no, she's still not over it, and a fledgling witch who could be the killer's next victim. But when her brother claims he's innocent, and that a larger threat is about to shake both the human and supernatural worlds, Zoe becomes caught in a dangerous game of truth and lies. Can Zoe choose the right side before a twisted conspiracy stains her soul? So... Which friend? Innocent brother? Those are my ties. Also vampire? Yes. <laughs> and um, what else? Oh, the, It's getting really hard to do vampire tie-ins, by the way. It is. Um, also, the larger threat that is about to shake the world. Fairy war. <laughs> That's my tie-ins. Do we have a spotlight this week? We do. We have we have a new and indie spotlight this week, and this one is another one that is new. It's not out yet. It comes out in January. This one is called Emily Wilde's Encyclopedia of Fairies by Heather Fawcett. Out in January. Cambridge professor Emily Wilde is good at many things. She is the foremost expert on the study of fairies. She is a genius scholar and a meticulous researcher who is writing the world's first encyclopedia of fairy lore. But Emily Wilde is not good at people. She could never make small talk at a party or even get invited to one. And she prefers the company of her books, her dog, and the fair folk to other people. So... When she arrives in the hardscrabble village of Hrafsnik, Emily has no intention of befriending the gruff townsfolk, nor does she care to spend time with another new arrival, her dashing and insufferably handsome academic rival, Wendell Bambleby, who manages to charm the townsfolk, get in the middle of Emily's research, and utterly confound and frustrate her. But as Emily gets closer and closer to uncovering the secrets of the Hidden Ones, the most elusive of all fairies, lurking in the shadowy forest outside the town, she also finds herself on the trail of another mystery. Who is Wendell Bambleby? And what does he really want? To find the answer, she'll have to unlock the greatest mystery of all. Her own heart. I'm sorry, but with a name like that, he is a fairy. He's Come gotta on. be. Whose name is Bambleby? If, if he's not a fairy, then he's aristocracy. Yeah. He's fancy. You know? He's fancy either way. He has jobbers. <laughs> You're right. He does. He drinks only bespoke gin. <laughs> Everything about him is bespoke. He plays polo on horseback. <laughs> And vacations in the Cotswolds. He does. He's very elegant. Or he's a fairy. Or he's a fairy. His name is Wendell Bambleby. <laughs> I love it, by the way. It sounds fun. I know. It does sound really fun. She, she sounds relatable, actually. Right? She only 
prefers her books and her dog. Like that is, yeah. if it were a cat, that's me. Well, every time you see the word dog, just replace it with cat. <sighs> yeah, and like she doesn't get invited to parties. Me. Yeah. So I think it sounds like a lot of fun. And it comes out in January. And I'm excited. I'm excited for it. Nice. All right. So that's it for this episode of Fictional Hangover. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. Join us next time. Whoa. As we start season five? Five? Holy shit. Five. Count it. Five. Four full years of podcasting. Three full years of podcasting for you. That's huge. Insane. I can't handle it. It makes me a little queasy to think about, honestly. I just... I thought I'd be done after six months. Yeah. You'd be like, sling your hook, Claire. You rub it. Nope. 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 You're my best friend. I would never get rid of you. (sighs) Anyway... Join us next time as we discuss Mina and the Slayers by and with Amy McCall. Yay! Look out for our Would You Rather polls on social media. Don't forget about our book club and monthly challenges on Facebook. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover-themed merchandise. And become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com slash fictionalhangover. Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book. You can find us at fictionalhangover.com, follow us on Instagram at fictionalhangover, find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover, and on Twitter at fictionalhangover, no E-R. If you'd like this episode, check out our others, a rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for our music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening.